You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. I want to be a producer. Hello, everybody. This is Ken Davenport. Welcome to the Producer's Perspective podcast. Uh, you hear my perspective on my blog every single day, but today I'm sitting across from another one of Broadway's superpowers. I'm in the office of actually literally one of the most powerful people on Broadway, as rated by a website that I run, uh, Charlotte St. Martin, who is the executive director of the Broadway League. Welcome, Charlotte. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kendavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kendavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. Great to be here, Ken. Thank you. The Broadway League is the national trade organization for the Broadway industry. For those of you who don't know, it actually represents uh, 700 plus members, including theater owners and operators, producers, presenters, and general managers all over the country and all over North America, actually. And Charlotte actually gets emails from every single one of those members, I am sure. Uh, in addition to having one of the busiest inboxes on Broadway and sitting in a super important chair, uh, Charlotte is also one of the sweetest and classiest ladies in the industry. I've had the pleasure of lunching with her several times at Orso, and it's one of the ones I look forward to. Uh, so thanks for sitting down with us today. So let's start with um, a simple question. Uh, as the executive director of the Broadway League, what do you think the primary function of our trade organization is? Well, certainly we have all of the traditional jo uh, jobs for a trade association. We represent the membership uh, federally, locally, and statewide. We do membership functions, conferences, forums, things like that. Uh, the League was actually formed for uh, labor negotiations for multi-employers. 
but we've long since done a lot more than that. We brand uh, Broadway. We work on membership audience development programs like Kids Night on Broadway or Broadway Week, which are programs that drive theater goers to the theater with special deals during off-seasons. So there's a lot of traditional things. But to me, probably one of the most important things we do is we create a place where a disparate group of people, a la the farmers and the cowhands, or the producers and the theater owners, can get together, discuss differing points of view, and then come to some kind of consensus about what needs to be done. They can walk out of our doors, shake hands, and go on. So I think the league is meant to create a place where healthy dialogue can take place. What's funny, I was listening to all the different things that you do from the promotional aspect to the labor and thinking uh, to a document that you sent me that I put on the blog about the orig- when the league was originally formed, of what the function was, and it was like two things. And now it's like 17,000 different things. Uh, and the relationship one being, um, I think, one of the most interesting, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so how did you, you have a very interesting path for for most people in these positions and that you didn't come from the theater world. You weren't a, a Broadway baby like a lot of people that hold administrative positions are. So tell us how you got to sit in this chair. Well, I'm probably one of the luckiest people in the world because I have loved almost every day that I've worked my entire life. And I've been working since I was 12. I had been working in the hotel industry for about 30 years. I loved it, but I was sick of traveling. And so I got to take my avocation, which was theater, and make it my vocation. I had run three trade associations as a volunteer, and the headhunter reached out and said, we know you love Broadway. You're at every show that you can possibly be at. You've been on the volunteer side of running a trade association. I did run a convention and visitors bureau, which is a trade association. But I think the fact that I was crazy about Broadway and I had run trade associations, it just became a a natural thing. I mean, when they reached out, I said, they'll never hire this little Texas girl to run that big, bad Broadway business. And yet, you know, it's been almost a honeymoon for eight and a half years. Well, as a Broadway League member, it's been a honeymoon for us as well. And one of the things I was most fascinated with when I heard about your history and that you were coming aboard was that you're from the hotel industry, um, which, of course, is another industry that has a perishable inventory problem. Uh, in that, you know, if a room doesn't get sold on a night, that's it, it's dead, just like a seat. Uh, so you brought the very interesting uh, insight. In fact, I, I'm often preaching that what this industry needs is more people like you from the traditional business world uh, to help school us, actually, on a few things and how to do things the quote-unquote right or, or the real business way, um, since we have such a unique take on things. Um, so... You came from a different world, and from but again, the perishable inventory allows it to be a related world. If you had it to do it over, let's say someone said, you're going to be the executive director of the Broadway League one day, would you say, well, I'm going to start off in the theater, or would you take the same path? Do you think that path of, of starting outside the business and then coming in was actually beneficial to gain that perspective? I do. 
I'm probably one of the only people that works on Broadway that didn't want to be on stage or behind the stage. I love business. I love the idea of finding solutions to business problems. And perhaps I would have made one or two small changes, but not really. I do think from the pure business perspective that whether it's pricing or hospitality or just general customer service. There's a lot that Broadway can do better in those areas, and I've watched it grow since I've been here. Not that I've inspired it, but I recognize it when I see it. And I think Broadway is doing a lot of the things that perhaps we didn't do 20 years ago. I would definitely agree. We are. I always say that we're about 10 years behind every other industry, but it does feel like we're starting to catch up a little bit, which is exciting. Uh, and it's on your watch, so thank you for that. Now, you mentioned all these different things you do, from marketing to labor to dealing with the, the farmer and the cow hand. Uh, which do you spend most of your time on, do you think? What occupies most of your day? Which aspect of the league's activities? Well, on an annual basis, I spend about 30% of my time actually working on the Tony Awards. Several years ago, my colleague, Heather Hitchens of the American Theatre Wing, and I took over the general management of the Tony Awards. And so I do spend a lot of time doing that. But second, we have a lot of committees, both standing committees and new committees, task forces, And I try to go to every single committee meeting where I hear what our members are interested in and I understand what it is they're needing. I feel like committee work, board work, executive committee uh, work should be, it should help us really structure what needs to be done in the business and give us the strategy and then let the staff go develop the plans to actually execute changes. So you really need to be in the room and understand the context with which uh, people make recommendations or state needs. So I spend more time than anything else in committee meetings for our members and with our members. When you first got here, I imagine that a lot of people gave you a lot of advice on how you should run the league, how you should deal with producers, how you should deal with theater owners. Was there, uh, do you remember the best piece of advice you got that you still think about? Is there anything specific that stands out? You don't have to say who who said it. I will certainly try to guess. But uh, is there anything that stands out to you? Actually, yes. I set out and I had breakfast, lunch, dinner, cocktails, coffee i.e. one-on-one social uh, periods with 450 members and vendors and partners. And I asked them three questions. I said, what is the league doing that it shouldn't be doing? What should we be doing that we're not doing? And if you were in this job, what would you do first? And the number one thing I got when I assimilated all of that after listening for a year was create a place where you can solve problems. We are a community. Right now, we're a community that can't build consensus around tough issues. And I think that's what I've spent almost eight and a half years trying to do, because everyone here wants Broadway to be successful. And 
basically most everybody really likes everybody, but everybody comes from a different point of view. As trade associations are developed, of course they come from a different point of view. And I think if you create a safe place where you can say what you feel, you can say why you think something is not going right, and let the other person do it, then you have an opportunity to develop consensus and then have an objective source. And hopefully that was me say, well, what if we did this and this? And I I think there's some of that going on. And... About you've run these other trade organizations before. Often you hear about in the theater, uh, oh well, the theater owners and the producers shouldn't be in the same organization or general manager. And you hear that perhaps there should be separate. You know, this is something that's whispered about all the time. And I think somehow we think that's we're the only trade organization that has differing opinions or differing points of view that you just talked about. But it sounds like you've seen this before. This is not uncommon. Or do you think we are unique? Oh, no. Absolutely we're not unique. The one part of my career was running a major hotel in Dallas. It was the largest hotel in Texas, and every major trade association in the United States met at that hotel, whether it was American Bankers Association or the oil well drilling contractors of America. They all had the varying components of an industry sitting together in conferences and in board meetings to enhance or protect that business. We're no different. And, you know, one of the simple mistakes I made when I took this job, because I did know association so well, is I assumed, well, you find out what each, what each category of member needs, and then you go about fulfilling those needs. Well, a producer is also a theater owner, and a theater owner is also a presenter, and a presenter is also a producer. So it would be impossible for the producers to separate themselves from the theater owners because they're all in this together when at the end of the day they can't do it without one another. So why not be in the room together, around the table together to help fix the problems that need fixing and expand the business where you can? It's like a Thanksgiving dinner, it sounds like. (laughs) There is that component. (laughs) A big family that gets along sometimes and uh, fights over dessert afterwards. Uh, Now, over the last several years, Broadway has boomed incredibly. We've had record grosses. Just last week, we posted the the highest-grossing Thanksgiving week in the history of Broadway ever. Uh, Lion King became our first billion-dollar show a couple months ago. Is there anything, is there one thing you credit this boom to? Is it component? What do, you, what do you think is happening out there to cause such, such a boom when other industries around the country and around the world still are struggling from the recession? Well, I have some personal viewpoints because if I knew that and really knew for sure and could prove it, I'd be really, really rich. <laughs> but I do think, and I've been saying it for several years, at least five, that I think we weathered the 2007, 8, 9 recession better than almost any industry because we continue to diversify our audience. The day I walked in here, I heard, we want to make Broadway more accessible to everyone. And I think that's what we've been doing. If you look at what's showing on Broadway, there is something for virtually every age group. 
and every diverse interest level. And I think we continue to do that. We're not cutting back on that. I think we're enhancing that. When I came to Broadway, I think there were really basically three kinds of shows and Disney. There was the serious play, the comedic play, and the big musical. And then you had Disney's Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. Today, there's stuff for teeners and tweeners and 20-somethings and 30-somethings. You see more diversity on stage and backstage. You see new shows that take traditional casting and throw it out the window. And like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, that's traditionally been an all-white production, and you've seen an all-black production, and you've seen a production where there was diverse neutrality of of what the cast looked like and acted like. So I think the more we do like that, the more successful we're going to be. And yes, there are going to be big popular musicals that, you know, everybody knows the brand and when somebody doesn't know what to see, they'll go to see that. But once you have a great experience on Broadway, then you want to explore and go a little a little bit deeper, and I think that's what's happening. Now, one of the things that I talk about on my blog a lot is that our attendance figures, although we're having a very good year this year, up double-digit percentage-wise, it's lagged a little bit behind the gross. You know, we haven't grown our attendance numbers as much as we've grown our dollars, and that's probably partly attributed to premium pricing and all of that. But is there another reason you think the actual body count isn't jumping up as high or lagging a little bit behind? Yes, I think that's where my hotel experience really helps. Uh, I hesitate to use the word occupied seats, but that's what they are. When you have an 80 to an 82% occupancy of all of those 40,000 seats on Broadway, that's a very good occupancy. And then you throw in January, February, and September, which are very seasonal at best. How much more can you really do? Then you add the dynamic pricing and most people think of dynamic pricing as raising prices but it's not necessarily the hotel business the airline business dynamic pricing is either raising the price during high demand or lowering it during low demand and you use it to turn on the faucet or turn off the faucet if you've got only 10 seats left you should get the most for those 10 seats and if you have a thousand seats left that should tell you that you may be priced incorrectly for this time of the year, this show at this time. And I think that's very clear as to why attendance has had a harder time growing than grosses. I mean, take into consideration that last season we were up over 5%. This season in attendance, this season we're up more than grosses, which I'm very proud of, at over 13%. You can't keep up that growth. But if we can maintain the growth in attendance and have just a little bit over the uh, next few years, we're going to have a vibrant industry for years to come. Yeah, I've been very excited about this attendance. And I've been one of the big ones that have been stomping my feet, jumping up and down, worried about attendance over the last several years. We had three years where it was flat or declined. And now we're 
catching up and then some, it seems, this year, and hopefully knock on something that will continue uh, for the rest of, of, of the season. You've worked with a lot of producers, obviously, all these members. You've seen a lot of them in action in some of their best moments and their most challenging moments, and as they scream for more time on the Tony Awards. Uh, what do you think are some of the characteristics that make up a great producer? I want to ask you who your favorites are. Thank uh, you. While we're recording. But t- what characteristics do your favorite producers have? I think I heard a, a saying many, many years ago about salespeople. It was nothing happens till somebody sells something. And I really have adapted that to for producers. Nothing happens till somebody produces something. And the produ- the producer is the jack of all trades. You know, some of them are more creative. Some of them are more business minded. But at the end of day, the producer who is actively involved in all of those things, whether they're personally making the decisions or finding the people who are good at making a decision in a given area, the best producers are the ones that are engaged in all of that. There are certainly some that are very wealthy that go hire great executive producers, and we need those. But I note those that become successful over the long run have continued to develop that multi-talent and multi-interest component to their production. I mean, your enthusiasm, Ken, is one of the things that is very healthy for a producer. I've never met a producer who didn't believe that their show was going to be one of the five that recoups its investment. And we know that for the last 70 years, the traditional recoupment averages are one in five, and in a great year, one in four shows recoup their investment. I'll say it again. I've never met a producer that thought they were going to have one of those four that didn't recoup. It's so true. And uh, I will tell you, just to prove how accurate you are, again, I am preparing, which will probably be posted by this time, but I'm preparing a infographic on recouped musicals to be released next week on the blog and we looked at the last 20 plus years and literally it's like 20 point something percent it's literally one out of five again it's amazing how accurate that that figure is as you look ahead uh we things are going i think very very well for us but Obviously, I, I've talked to you many times about this. You still think there's more we can do. It's why we love you. You're championing change still. What do you think is our biggest challenge right now as an industry? I think it's getting the younger audiences engaged in theater. Uh, I've been hearing for as long as I can remember, high-tech means you need high-touch. Well, we've certainly never been more technologically involved with entertainment, whether it's your iPhone or your iPad or podcasting or any television movies, we're just technologically so involved today. You get on an elevator, people don't even look at each other. They're so busy looking at their iPhone. And I think, yes, it may be true that if you do more high-tech, you need more personal 
uh, touch, but I don't see that happening. So I think one of the most important things the league can do is to continually work on audience development and audience engagement of our young people. We've got three major initiatives going on right now. The time came where we could pull them all together that I think will begin to to help with that. But people from all over the country will have to jump in and also do it. And we're creating a kids club, which will be really a family engagement club. We're taking over the management of the National High School Music Awards, which will have give us access to those 50,000 high school kids and find a way to talk to them and keep them engaged in going to Broadway. And, of course, we're doing our traditional educational programs, but we're reaching out to Latinos through our Viva Broadway program, and we're looking at finding other methods of getting more diverse audiences. But I think we've got to get them interested before they think the only form of entertainment comes on something that you plug in and charge. Very well said. I agree. And actually, it is a challenge to get the 20-somethings, the late teens, the 20-somethings, we got to get them and we got to get them now. Um, which one of those is your favorite little pet project? Of all the things that the League is doing right now, which one would you, if you had, I can only work on one project for the next three months, and I'm not even saying one that would yield the most results, the one that you, you are just most passionate about? That's really hard. I've got two. The Family Engagement Club and Viva Broadway. There's no question our country is going to be more than 50% Latino in my lifetime. And I don't think we've made Broadway as accessible to the Latinos as we should. And I think Broadway is a perfect entertainment vehicle because Latinos, I'm told and I've learned, love family entertainment and love to do those things together. And that's one of the best things Broadway offers is you can get a family to go see a show and then you go after that show and and you have something real to talk about. And I know that as we're engaging more Latinos that that's happening. On the other hand, I really don't think there's anything more valuable than a cultural uh, background for teenagers before they go into their life. And I know that all the studies prove that if if you develop culture in your child's life, they have a better chance of being well-balanced and a more successful life. And that may be successful in money or it just may be successful in happiness. So you can see why I'm torn from the business aspect. we got to bring Broadway to the people and the other aspect of it, of, of enriching kids' lives and helping them uh, have better lives and that will include Broadway. One of the other areas that I've seen the league get very active in over the last several years has been in government relations, um, which I know producers were getting very excited about anyone just mentioning that there's going to be discussion about Broadway uh, in Albany, never mind in Washington, D.C. So as we dream about tax credits for investors and dream about production cost tax credits and I think it was last year we or the year before we contributed over $12 billion, I believe I'm correct there, with to the New York City economy. That's correct. That's it's correct. $11.9 billion for the season that ended uh, June 1, 2014. I mean, It'll be more than $12 billion this year. 
And that's a, a massive amount of money, obviously. So tell me a little bit how that has been for you. I mean, I think this is in your in your reign as the executive director, the engagement of, of politics, especially on the national level, which we had, I know, a consortium go down to D.C. How has that been? What has the reception been like? Do you see that we'll make some advances? I absolutely do. We did a, uh, a biennial conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, six years ago. And it happened to be in January, and it was snowing, and we had about 150 producers and theater owners and presenters in Washington who called on their elected officials. They all were so inspired from that that we now have a legislative council which has members on this council from every state in which we have a member, and we are we are lobbying and educating our elected officials at the city, state, and federal level. And what our members are finding is that when we show up and we give our elected officials good information, that we're getting good results. Our biggest problem is that we had not done a great job outside of New York City of educating our elected officials across across the country about the economic impact and the number of jobs, forgetting all of the good, fuzzy, warm stuff that Broadway delivers to our communities. I mean, we have over 30 million theater goers a year. We contribute over 15 billion to our national economy. Uh, we, we paid a billion in city taxes to New York City last year. I mean, that's with a B. And yet, you can talk to most elected officials six years ago, and they had no idea. One of the things I'm proudest of that uh, we have done since I've been here is we have awakened our membership as to the value of what they do, and therefore they can go out and tell that story. That's such a great point, and I know I've felt it, uh, and I, it's very related to how producers, when they raise money as well, there is this feeling among us all that we're in this crazy, risky business. We're lucky to be getting a show up every year. And the fact of the matter is we create a massive impact. Culturally, we know, but economically, this is a major business. Uh, and money can be made here and jobs can be created here, as well as a long-standing impact on the hearts and minds of, of the country. Okay, one last question. I want you to imagine that uh, you had a magic wand and you could wake up tomorrow morning and change one thing about the theater. One thing that drives you crazy that you think is getting in our way, one obstacle. With a wave of Charlotte's wand, you could make it all disappear or change. What would that one thing be? Well, I know what it would be. It would be very uh, unpolitically correct <laughs> for me to say what it is. So I will say it would be to get all of the people who work on Broadway and for Broadway, and that would include our colleagues in the unions, and get them in a room and get them to understand what the obstacles are for helping Broadway do even better. And I think if that happened, we would have different pricing on Broadway, and we would have different union contracts, and we would have more profit sharing 
when something was a big hit and we would have profit taking at a lower level when it isn't a big hit. So if I could do that, that's what I'd do. And I think everyone would do better if we could do that. It sounds like you want to invite more people to our Thanksgiving dinner. I do. Which sounds like a wonderful way to improve the business and profits, hopefully, for everyone and increase that 20% to maybe 25 or 30%. Charlotte, thank you so much for doing this for me on behalf of myself and all the viewers, uh, readers out there. Um, we love having you. You're doing a fantastic job. Please keep it up and, and keep working for us and don't go to work for a hotel anytime soon. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.